Gather round because we're here at Dreamland with none other than Cole Schaefer himself. We're talking about the stuff that stirs your soul and keeps you up late at night. At Dreamland, we sit down with Grammy-winning producers, James Beard award-winning chefs and New York Times best-selling authors as they divulge the processes they've used to turn their dreams into the kind of creative work that's shaping culture as we know it. Buckle up because this is no ordinary show. There will be fire, spilt milk, and more than a few surprises as we discover what it means to be creative at Dreamland. How's your day? You know, not too bad. Got up, put some makeup on. I think I told you I'm putting her in the oven. She needs about three hours to bake. So, <laughs> you know, um, smoked a little ganj, and now we're doing a podcast. So should be a fun day. Uh, I was telling you a second ago, I've got um, the Americana Proud concert at City Winery tonight that Autumn Nicholas is putting on. I'm co-hosting that with her. So get to be in drag all evening and probably go out for a nightcap after. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exciting. And uh, and you're you're from Nashville, right? Yeah, I am from Nashville. I was actually born in Charleston, like a Navy kid, but we okay. were here by the time I was three years old. Um, so grew up in a part of town called Antioch, down on the southeast side of town, um, a very culturally and ethnically diverse part of town. Um, and then was here all the way through high school and then uh, went off to do a degrees in music performance, um, you know, because she's from Music City. Uh, so I was in like upstate New York and then the Dallas area. And then I've been back in Nashville since 2014. And then what, what did you uh, major in? Both of them are uh, classical viola performance. So I have a, ma- a bachelor's and a master's in that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, cross-dress. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and it's weird that I don't know when I started doing drag that I thought I would um, find a way to come back to performing in music through drag, but it's kind of like reconnected me to music. And that was always my first, like, lo- I guess the stage is my one true love. Like, I, I love being on stage. Um, but I think as far as media to get you there, like, music was definitely, has always been a fave. Yeah, it probably feels a little full circle in a way. Oh, for sure. And did you grow up uh, figure skating? <laughs> yeah, okay, so... Uh, uh, I did figure skate. Did we talk about that before? Or did you do like a deep dive? Wow. Deep dive. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, gosh, I think I missed a friend's birthday party that they went figure skating in like middle school and maybe pitched a fit about it. So my parents took me and I was like, love this. And then took <laughs> lessons for, I don't know, three or four years, competed a little bit. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I quit over an ingrown toenail. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, those I've, can get pretty serious. Yeah, I've learned yeah. to stick out some some things better since then. But, yeah, uh, I, I loved that a lot. I think I um, <laughs> maybe can attribute some of the, the thick thighs to the figure skating background. But that's also from mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you still skate ever? Um, I haven't been super recently, but, like, I'm not, like oppose like if people are like let's go do that i'm like yeah like i'm totally yeah. down do they do they is there such a thing as like drag on ice or anything like that um uh if you watch rupaul's drag race on season i can't keep up with the numbers but denali um who's a queen i guess originally from alaska now chicago who like is a competitive figure skater in her background and she mm-hmm. has done like drag on ice um that would be wild to see but there's <laughs> i think you lose a lot of like peripheral vision and stuff in drag so like once you've got people like spinning around with blades and everything you may want to <laughs> be careful with that <laughs> can be a little dangerous yeah for yeah. sure what uh what was your favorite song to skate to oh gosh 
<laughs> um, I don't even know that I have an answer to that. What was I listening to at that time? A lot of Christina um, and a lot of Britney. Because uh, this was like, what? The, I mean, right around that time. Um, er, the early aughts, 99, 2000, right around then. Um, and then like a lot of classical music. I was very much a nerd. And then... Like, my dad's kind of into, like, bluegrass and Americana, so there was, like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou in the mix as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then, like, my mom, so I would have, like, viola lessons on Saturday and sometimes, like, also figure skating. Um, and my mom was always the one that was driving, like, me around while my dad had my brother at sports. And we were always listening to NPR and, like, Prairie Home Companion was a fave. So, I don't know, just, like, a wild mix of stuff. I... I mean, I wish I could remember the one time I did compete and won, uh, <laughs> like what I what I skated to, but I, I can't remember. Um, this is kind of a sidebar. The one thing I do remember musically, specifically from figure skating, is this one girl who that same competition, obviously in a different like age group and stuff, but that same competition, her mix had lollipop, lollipop, la, <laughs> like that's the only thing I remember musically. From from that really sticks okay. in my head. Yeah. Okay. Is there any um, like is there any correlation between figure skating and drag? And if there's none, don't feel like you have to make one up. But I was I was curious. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say like directly, but maybe yeah. in the same way that like dance would apply, like learning sure. how to move your body um, and kind of like that aspect of performance, the physical aspect of performance. I would say is like applicable, but it's not like how people are like, get your kid in a ballet class right now. Like it's not, I wouldn't say like they should figure skate for years just to do a little drag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, I mean, I know he's not a figure skater, but Apollo Ono. Um, wait, why do I know that? I, I don't like, I know the name. Speed skater. He was yeah, like a, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of a big deal, like the O2 Olympics. Or? He kind of had like a, like a shaggy length with like, um, like uh, maybe like a little bit of like blonde streaks uh -huh. in it. Yeah. He was Asian yeah. or half Asian. Well, anyways, uh, my producer, Jeremy, uh -huh. actually did an entire like video and made up a rap about Apollo Ono and like <laughs> rented out a skate rink, shot the whole shot the whole video. And then Apollo Ono actually like saw it and like retweeted it. And, yeah. <laughs> insane. Is it still on the Internet? Oh, yeah. 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 I'll send it to you after this. What's the rap call? Hold on. Apollo, no. Just Apollo, no. <laughs> yeah. <Real creative. laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny, though. Um, all right. Tell me more about your childhood. Um, so, like I said, grew up here in Nashville. Um, Nashville is, you know, the Protestant Vatican. Uh, at one time, I feel like we were known for uh, the most porn stores and churches per capita. And if you drive down, like, any of the main pikes, like Dickerson, Gallatin, et cetera, and are looking for churches, like, they're everywhere. Like, it's every 500 feet. Um, a lot of them are not churches anymore. Anyways, so I grew up in the Methodist church, um, which I think compared to like a lot of people's upbringing in the South, um, a little more progressive, mm -hmm. but I still feel like it was ultimately feeling ostracized for being queer that led my, led to my leaving the church. Um, and that was probably like, I don't know, when I was like 12 or 13, I think is when I like clocked into the bullshit. And I was like, um, I don't think this is for me anymore. Um, the story that I like specifically remember about that is, um, so uh, I'm HIV positive and, uh, have been since I think 2017 is when I was diagnosed, um, undetectable, you know, like for years, take one pill a day. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a death sentence mm -hmm. anymore. Um, but my mom's brother, my uncle, um, died of AIDS in the early nineties. And oh, wow. so that was just kind of like a, a point of contention in my family. Um, just a trauma there. Um, and there was for some reason an adult Sunday school class that my parents were in that either HIV or AIDS came up and 
there was just a lot of hateful rhetoric, stigmatizing rhetoric around it. Um, I don't really know all the details because my parents weren't going to like give me all that at age 12, but I got that much information at least. And I think that's when I decided when I saw my mother leave a Sunday school class crying that I was like, uh, this ain't for me. Like, oh, wow. that's, that's not what's supposed to be happening here. And I think in a lot of ways I've reconciled that that's more like the system of the church than like the teachings of whatever prophet, you know, Christ in this case, um, that I was really leaving. Um, I've come around to more of like a global spirituality since then. Although like, yeah, we, we were, we were hanging the other night and you described what that meant. I thought it was really uh, a beautiful worldview, but can you share that? Um, I don't remember specifically how I went about saying it, but I like, that there's all just kind of this one energy. Um, I think I maybe talked about how for a long time I identified as atheist agnostic, but being very literal about what those words mean, like atheist meaning like no deity, I don't believe in a specific deity at this point, and then agnostic, not knowing, I'm not cocky enough to think that I know all of the bounds that the universe holds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like this global spirituality thing that I'm kind of like vibing with right now is that like there is something that that is higher than us, that's beyond us, or that at, at the very least, even if it's just the belief that we all need something beyond that, like that that sort of like community thing is is above just like the individual, um, and that like our our sort of morals should be guided by how we affect the whole in some way, and I think maybe we talked about how the golden rule applies to pretty much any dogma. Yes. You know, like it's, it's said in different ways, but you can see it just across the religious texts of, of every different culture. Um, and I think that just kind of like looking at that rule and, and how we treat others and how it applies to like caring for the planet, which, you know, is a big tenet of Christianity that like we are, the, we are the caretakers of, of this space. And I imagine it's similarly noted in, in other religions um, that if we can start to hone in more on those things rather than trying to cherry pick words to hate people, that'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> That'd be, be great. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. What do you think the correlation between churches and porn stores is? I'm sorry, churches and in porn stores. Well, so uh, puritanical Christianity is is just pervasive in America. I mean, it's it's the people that founded this version of this country, and I think that it's a trauma that affects all of us. And so, because there's so much shame in how we relate to sex and and gender and how we express our sexuality and gender and that we're told that pleasure is is bad inherently, that we shouldn't experience or seek pleasure um, because of these sort of like pillars that are set up by puritanical Christianity that I think that obviously like the base human needs and emotions are going to have to have some sort of outlet in a culture like that. And so when you're in, you know, Southern Baptist land and and this Protestant sort of culture where it's like, you don't talk about it, shove it under the rug, like you don't seek pleasure. I think it kind of makes sense that like it would follow that some, the culture is going to look for an outlet for that. And then, you know, we exist under a system of capitalism. So mm-hmm. if you got a dollar for it, we're going to sell it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's very true. And I think I was, you know, one thing I'm curious about is you, you clearly like were explaining that you felt like you grew up ostracized did you feel like that played into because you're you're a very creative person like do you think that that fueled that at all yeah I mean I guess it like specifically I can say that um the sort of like being 
pushed out energy was like being in a creative place was always kind of like a safe place for me to go. Mm-hmm. Like even still to this day, like if I'm, I don't know, like even at 36 years old, like I get my feelings hurt at the bar. Like yeah, it happens, yeah, yeah. you know, but like a lot of times that'll turn into like, I'm going to have like a practice that like, I'm just going to lock myself in the room and play scales for three hours. And like, yeah. and, and in that case, I think maybe it's like, getting to get back into some sort of um, a discipline mm-hmm. is, is kind of like centering and grounding. Um, but I think also like having that as an outlet for that energy meant that like when those things happen, like as they do in life, I was directing that energy into some creative outlet, whether it was piano or viola or drag now or Oh gosh, like <laughs> the number of like Michael's kits that are like stacked in my childhood bedroom, <laughs> like pottery and beads and latch hook and yeah. like just something, something to do, uh, you know, and probably, uh, we talked a little bit, um, I, um, diagnosed ADHD, like and retrospectively, like, God, how do we not know, um, <laughs> in the last two, three years. Um, and it's maybe a little bit like the new version of WebMDing yourself to death, but like I've ended up in a corner of TikTok that's like, hey, you might also be in this place where like autism and ADHD overlap a lot. Um, and just kind of like figuring out that maybe the way I experience the world around me is not the same as like every other human is, I, I don't know what the the end is there, but like it's eye opening at the yeah. very least. Give me an example of how maybe you feel like you experience the world differently than others. I think one of the big ones is like I'm maybe literal to a fault a lot of times and and then that combined with like a a good read on social cues or like body language. Like I feel uh-huh. like I read body language mm-hmm. and like little changes and details yeah. a lot. Like I see them. I don't always know what they mean. Um, but that was kind of honed in by like waiting tables for years, like getting yeah, to kind of yeah. use that as well. Um, but like I if th- someone, maybe you're talking to them and they make like for a split second, like an obscure facial expression, yeah. you find yourself maybe thinking Questioning about that. like what they said, like yeah. why did, like why did they like, why did they do that tick that would normally indicate, you know? So I yeah. guess it's like, maybe I'm almost like hyper aware of my body language in some ways mm-hmm. and like what that's indicating to the people around me. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe I like pick up too much on other people's and then get in my head about it. Like a lot, like, cause if I, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, if I were to do that, like, it would mean that I was feeling this way, but that's not what they said. And why did they not say that? And then it's just like this crazy, like cycle of, of what's actually going on, which like, you're never going to actually know what's in somebody else's head. Like, no, no, but it, but it is real. I, I struggle with that same thing where maybe I'm having a conversation with someone at uh, a bar or maybe out to dinner with friends and I make a comment and they have like a certain expression that maybe throws me off just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll find myself that night or like the next day just thinking on like, did I say something that like hurt their feelings or offended them? Um, and I don't know, maybe that's just called empathy. I'd like to think but yeah. sometimes it, it, it can feel obsessive a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, yeah. Cause then you're like, I feel like it's always very that for me. It's not yeah. like, what are they thinking? Like, why do they hate me? It's more kind of like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Like always, like it always kind of like seems to fall back into like, why am I the fuck up here? Or what am I Uh doing wrong? Or why am I like not enough? And then I start to wonder like how much of sort of these like neurodivergent like symptoms are they 
trauma responses? Mm-hmm. Is it an overall sort of, um, I don't like not chronic illness, but whatever the word is for something that's just kind of like metastatic in your being. Um, I, I don't know, but I mean, it's just interesting to kind of like reevaluate how you uh, interact with the world around you. Um, I should probably at some point like just do some mushrooms and chill out about it for a second. Like just kind of like kill that awareness of myself for yeah. a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that there's a, there's certainly a perfect balance with it. And I, and I think that's like what everyone's after, whether it's through alcohol or drugs or um, meditation, although I don't meditate or anything like that, but just like turning down the voice in the head, mm-hmm. you know, and just like kind of being fully present. But that's hard when you, uh, focus too much on people's facial expressions. <laughs> well, that, and I feel like also when you're in the moment where you're kind of like losing sort of like yourself in the space and like losing being grounded, like there, you just, you can't take yourself there. Yeah. Like five minutes later, you're like, oh, why did I forget that trick that I can do? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, sometimes when I can like remember like the, uh, I saw one time, like if you're having like a panic attack, like the, just kind of like, I don't even remember what the order is, but it's just kind of like some sort of system of, making yourself aware of the space around you. Like one thing you can smell, two things you can see, three things you can hear, four things you can touch. I like that. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like making yourself like aware of what's around you. There's another one that um, I think maybe TikTok taught me recently where somebody was like, just close your eyes and then just like map this. Like, you know what the room looks like. Mm-hmm. Just remap it in your head. And like just like that sort of putting yourself in the space meditation yeah because i wouldn't say i meditate in like the classic sense either but sometimes when i can like remind myself to do those little things i'm a little bit less less like oh my god everybody hates me what am i doing right it's like it's it's almost getting grounded in a way yeah uh, and kind of taking note of your uh surroundings Mm -hmm. yeah i was reading how i mean and this is kind of terrifying i'd hate to be buried in an avalanche but if you do get buried in an avalanche which I don't ever plan to, but (laughs) they said that like, if you get buried and you survive and you're like under snow, you're supposed to like move your head around and clear out a space in the snow and then spit in the direction where the spit falls is kind of where, how you're buried. So like if you spit and the spit falls in front of you, it means like you have to dig upwards or if it falls like back on your face, it means you need to dig like towards you. I didn't even consider that you would like completely lose your sense of like gravity and like which direction things are. Yeah. Yeah. And so like sometimes with, um, like when I feel blocked riding or just feel out of sorts, like in my life, I kind of think about that, like, uh, sort of figure out, where you're buried a little bit and then you can dig yourself out. Oh yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. I feel like Um, also a lot of times, like when you're feeling like when I'm feeling blocked, like I will realize that I'm in a place where like all I've been doing is, is putting out mm -hmm. like I've just been doing the creative output, but I haven't been like nurturing the creator at all. Mm -hmm. Like, like I've been like making more promises to myself to like actually go to concerts and like live live events and like museums and just like experience art in addition to like creating art. Cause I think sometimes you can get a little like, lost in sort of your yes. own echo chamber. Yeah, a hundred percent. When do you feel when do you feel most creative or maybe a different way to phrase that is what are some moments where you've absorbed or like filled up your cup and you're like you feel hypercharged to like go out and create or we interrupt this broadcast to bring to you a message from one of our lovely patrons here at Greenland. One of my favorite writers of all time is Hunter S. Thompson. 
He was played by Johnny Depp in the book-turned-film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the film got a lot of people interested in psychedelics. It also freaked a lot of people out, too. Take the opening line. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. Psychedelics, when abused, can be this a scary trip. They can be a sky full of bats. But when taken in sub-hallucinogenic doses, they can enhance your creativity. Schedule 35 is one of the most trusted psilocybin brands among creatives in North America. Now they got micro doses, which is what I like to take when I'm feeling like I'm in a creative rut. If you're into seeing bats, you can use a super dose. Also have the lover's dose if you're feeling frisky. If you say fuck the doses and you just want chocolate, they also got psilocybin chocolate. Today, Schedule 35 is offering Dreamland listeners, that's you, 15% off your first order with discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. If you want to claim that, just head over to Schedule35.co and use discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. Let's get back to the show. Um, I mean, I guess it really kind of depends, like... Regularly, I feel like I can find something. Mm-hmm. Um, like when there was um, the Picasso exhibit came through the Frist, um, a lot of it was like, you know, oh, like I've seen these in textbooks my whole life. Like it's kind of like moving to be in front of them. But like Man with Guitar is like this massive like 8 by 10 Like yeah. it's gigantic, which mm-hmm. I had not ever realized before. And I kind of just turned this corner and it was just kind of like met with it. And that was like emotionally moving. Mm-hmm. So that was like really inspiring and kind of like, a juice that I could run on for a while. I mean, even just like accessing that memory now, like yeah. I can get a little missed. Um, I mean, I remember one time seeing um, Alyssa Weilerstein play uh, Prokofiev Symphonia Concertante, which is this cello concerto um, that's kind of like notoriously like great musical piece, but like just notoriously like nearly impossible to play. Like yeah. just so hard. Yeah. Um, and just the performance of it was just like, just it was past technique. Mm-hmm. Like that she had like learned it and then forgotten it and was just doing it. Yeah. Which I think for a lot of artists, especially like in performance, that's what we're striving for is this place where we can just be in the moment. Yeah. Where your mastery reaches such a level that you were just in complete and total flow yeah. and presence. Yeah. Yeah. Second nature. Yeah. Um, I, have, have you felt like there's been moments in your, in, in your work that you've truly felt like completely present in what you're doing? Yeah, I think that especially in like the the sort of like I don't know, like top five, ten things that I do that I've like really found like they they sit with me as like the content itself I enjoy mm-hmm. and then I've had a bunch of times to do it and things like that where I'm just like really in um I like I do this one performance, um, it's Vicky Winans doing Long As I Got King Jesus, mm-hmm. which is this massive gospel number, which is like riffs and runs and just so much like lip sync work. And like, I mean, it was a technical beast as a mm-hmm. lip synker to mm-hmm. undertake, but then like, it's also just like an energetic performance. So there's mm-hmm. like a lot that goes into this and it's also like six minutes long. Like it's a longer lip yeah. sync for sure. It's like twice the length of what a sort of standard pop song would be. Um, and I've just, I've performed it for years though at this point and with everything going on this year and like kind of why I perform it being like sort of this like reclamation of like religion and, and faith and, and a little bit tongue in cheek, you know, kind of camp value to it. Sure. Um, I, but with everything going on this year, I, I performed it maybe at one of, no, it was one of the Dragapaloozas we did at Benefiting Inclusion back at City Winery. Mm-hmm. And I just like 
completely like let go in it, which like, you know, led to good things like standing ovation mm-hmm. applause, which like to a lip sync, like you don't often get that, especially if you're not doing splits and stuff, which yeah. I do not do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, like, giving that much and, like, getting that response from the audience plus everything else going on, I mean, I went backstage, like, and just broke down. Wow. Like, just broke yeah. all the way down, um, which is, like, I'd never, I've never been that girl before. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not to say that, like, I'm, like, oh vulnerability. It just was yeah. not something that had just, like, happened mm-hmm. organically. Um, so that was, like, sort of, I don't know, I feel like a big artistic breakthrough, I will say it was weird, though, to go into this time after that. It felt like I needed a couple of months to kind of, like, like really, like, recharge, reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like I had a lot of that, like, let's get up on fucking stage and go energy. Right. Um, for, like, a little bit. Um, Why do you think that was? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was, like, maybe there was a little bit of, like, a sore spot there after that because maybe that, like, accessed something for me. Um I, I don't know. Um, maybe I just, like, I really, like, just gave so much. I mean, it was, you know, the the drag bill this year just, like, took up so much energy for me. Because I kind of, I mean, I, I accidentally, not kind of, like, I accidentally became the face of, like, the Tennessee drag movement. Yeah. Um, with the photo of me punching the air. Mm-hmm. Um, which led to just a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Which, like great for the career love that you know great to get the message out there and great for the great for the movement but just like for me personally it was just like a lot of like free work like which i'm you know like and a lot of like five days a week of doing like press interviews and like measuring every word that i'm saying because Mm -hmm. it's a very delicate subject and like trying to also like keep my community abreast to like the information and what's going on and so it was just like a lot going on um and i think that just somehow like a lot of that kind of got like therapized through that performance, but in a way that was like really draining. And I think I kind of needed to like reevaluate just a lot. I I think it was just kind of like a breakthrough moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm kind of still in the like post that Mm -hmm. era kind of figuring it out, but I'm definitely feeling like more energized to be back on the stage. Um, I mean, I did it, honestly, I hosted a karaoke night at Five Points Diner two weeks ago, just filling in for uh, my friend Cordelia, and I I got my whole life, like, just getting to just kind of be on the stage by myself for, like, hours, you know, Uh and if, like, nobody else is singing, fine, I'll do another one, like, tell some jokes, 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 like, (laughs) I I just had a great time, like, just soaking it up, Um, and that's kind of, like, where I feel like I really first found myself in drag, because I used to host a trivia and karaoke night, so it was five hours of me on a microphone and like karaoke could be like just a little bit of like, all right, next entertainer. Or it was like, there's nobody in the bar, but this has to go till 11. So like, I guess I'm doing my 12th song. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, um, so I, I feel like I really kind of honed like that there. Anyways. Um, What's the negative, you know, obviously you said like there's there's some huge positives with all the press, you know, for your career and then also the the movements that you support. What are what are some drawbacks of that kind of fame? I think that it's just like like I said, like the energy that goes into it. And then also like there's something that seems to have happened and and it's I've I've struggled to talk about it a little bit because I'm like I 
I like to be very humble, like, or try to keep myself in some level of humility in general. And it feels weird to kind of be like, I've been elevated to this level of celebrity, Mm -hmm. but it does kind of feel like I've, by nobody's like actual like fault, just kind of been lauded into this place that like, I don't feel like I fit in with kind of like my friends Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and then there's just also a lot of people that I was maybe like blind to the fact that they were just around for clout or yeah. for like just, you know, just because they're a fan or like whatever. But like that I've struggled to find people that I feel like are sincerely like there for like the person out of drag, like Jared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe I also put up a boundary around Jared for a while. So I'm not saying that's entirely everybody else's fault. It's just like I'm in this place where it's like. Like how, again, how do I like relate to my community in a comfortable way? And I think, I don't know, like it's, that's, that's tricky. That's been tricky to navigate, especially with what's kind of been like the boost I've had this year. Sure. And it's only going to get more difficult. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you can't really have like a normal night at the bar. Yeah. Especially as like a drag queen. Cause like where I work is also like where I would drink. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just sort of like that incestuous, like drag queer culture thing. So I don't know. And then also like I produce a lot of shows. Yeah. So then there's also like drag entertainers who are like, like, girl, like, I know why you're next to me right now. Like, like at least buy me a drink. Damn. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. <laughs> shit, you're asking for a booking right now. Like, <laughs> can I get a lemon drop out of it? Um, but there's just like a lot of that. Like you just, it's very hard to just like go to the bar and hang out with your friends. Yeah. Um, which you know, I don't know. I'm also like reevaluating my relationship with alcohol. Like mm-hmm. a lot of it is just cause it's kind of like the work culture of drag. I, I don't dislike a drink. I, I mean, I waited tables for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Like I have sampled so many different kinds mm-hmm. and like the variety is a lot of what I enjoy about it. And I do like to be drunk, like, <laughs> but I don't like to be hungover. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, uh, At some point, I think, you know, I have to realize that it's not doing anything good for me. Mm -hmm. And then I at least need to get to a place that, like, it can just, like, purely be, like, recreational. And I need to establish, like, when the recreation is. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I, uh, at the beginning of this year, I was sort of looking at my alcohol intake. And I just kind of started counting. I was like... God damn, it's been seven or eight nights in a row where, you know, it's not like I'm getting hammered, but I might be having a few drinks here, mm-hmm. you know, a glass of wine here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just started like marking in my calendar the next day, how many drinks I had the night before. And then over the course of the month sort of looked at, you know, how many I was taking in and it was kind of a scary number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of scary. And so I'm not saying I just naturally started to drink a little bit less or be more aware of mindful. Yeah. Mindful is the right word. Yeah. More mindful of, Hey, maybe instead of drinking four or five nights this week, let's drink one or two nights and really enjoy the cocktails I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just kind of striking that like balance is definitely something to work on, but yeah, like Mm -hmm. it's all, it's hard. I think maybe especially in Nashville, just like, because the culture is live performance, the venues are all bars. Like you're going to go see your friends perform or like your friends want to go see their friend perform. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're going to meet up here. And then there's not really a lot of like non-alcoholic options. Mm -hmm. And I, 
and there's a weird stigma around it, it. Alcohol is funny in that if you if if I tell you, oh, I don't smoke pot because it maybe gets me in my head or something, uh-huh. you would never be like, oh, that's weird. But if I told you, yeah, I'm completely sober, your 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 thought, maybe not you specifically, uh-huh. but a lot of people might be like. Oh damn! He must have had a major issue with alcohol at some point. Yeah, it's it's one of the only drugs that are the, like that. That people just like expect that, like the but like yeah. you deciding to get sober only became only became a thing after like a rock bottom. Moment. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like I feel like there's plenty of people that are like, well, not necessarily. I mean, I know people that have been sober their whole lives. You know, like they've just. They're just like, that's, that's not for me. Like I don't yeah. even have caffeine. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm actually in a place right now that I've almost completely given up caffeine. Really? You, you turned down my uh, coffee and I uh, love coffee. Yeah. Like I like love I the way it love tastes. It. Yeah. I love the way it smells. Like I love it. Why'd you stop? Um, just, just <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a dweeb by the end of this, a TikTok video suggested. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't know. I was like, screw it. I'll give it a go. Because it was mostly kind of like, you'll sleep better. Like, you'll be able to get up better in the morning. And, like, just kind of, like, being like, okay, I'm still going to, like, I started with, like, you're going to probably Diet Coke from my cold dead hands. Like, give me a minute on that. Yeah. But, like... Like coffee and Red Bull. I'm like, I can, I can start with those. Uh Like I do have my like Adderall script. So it wasn't like I was just going to like be a complete zombie. Sure. So I, um, you know, I started it and then I was like, wow, like I do feel like I'm sleeping better. And Mm -hmm. like, honestly, for the first time in like a while, I have had like some lucidity in my dreams. Oh, wow. Like I don't really like remember, like I haven't really remembered anything about a dream or even like being in a dream state for like a while. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I don't know, like that's been interesting. Um, I I don't feel like more tired. Yeah. Um, Like your body's adjusted. Yeah. And I also feel like I'm now kind of like aware, like even now when I have like, like if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Panda Express because like I love that bucket of Diet Coke they'll Mm -hmm. sell me Um, (laughs) with my orange chicken, of course, you know, it's about balance. Um, And... (laughs) Like, then I'll be like, wow, why am I so anxious? And I'm like, oh, maybe because I had, like, a bucket of Diet Coke right. and some sugar chicken, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but I don't know. So that's been an interesting experience. And I think I'm wondering if in some way, like, the receptors that, like, alcohol numbs, cat like... Because I almost am, like, craving alcohol less. Since because you've given up caffeine. I, yeah, alcohol. I don't know if it's, like, a co- one follows the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. a correlation. But they're, they're happening at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it could just be also, like, you know, like, I'm very in this... Like with my with my boy self, I'm I've been very in this like like self image place and like oh really yeah and yeah. I think it's like I'm coming back around to realize that like on, on a lot of levels like I am exceptional mm-hmm. and I don't mean like bitch you better work but like like I'm the person in the room whose like experiences are significantly different based on just sort of like who I am mm-hmm. career wise etc. and that that can just be intimidating or off-putting or just put you in this kind of like legend place rather than like human place mm-hmm. um that just makes it like a weird interaction and i'm i don't know i'm working through it yeah <laughs> working yeah. through it for sure would you say you're more confident as vag or as your boy self i mean i guess as a rule as vag um 
I don't, I guess I've established, I like I've reached a point where I don't feel like significantly different between the two. Like I feel like <laughs> I have like a certain level of insecurity in both that like, I don't okay. feel like I'm going to get in, in drag because it makes me feel like so much more powerful. And whereas like when I first started, like the first stroke of makeup to the face, like that's a different person. Like, yeah. Wow. It just like comes out. Um, and like RuPaul like says a lot to, to the girls um, in the season, she'll be like, the power that's available to you in drag is also available to you out of drag. And I think that's, that's kind of something that maybe like semi-consciously I've kind of like worked towards finding that. And so I do think that like, I'm a, I don't know, vag slightly is the short answer to your okay. question. Um, but then it's like, especially if it's in a situation where like, I'm wanting to feel like physically validated, mm -hmm. like that's definitely more about like my boy self. And so obviously like, it would not make any sense for me to be like, why don't you think I'm a hot boy when I'm like all done up like a milkmaid, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. Like it's, it's confusing. And like, sometimes I have to be like, Hey, maybe like, it's not everybody else's fault. Like maybe there is no fault. Like you're just like special. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, but it's, a work in progress for yeah. sure. It's strange. I mean, that's strange because I just, I genuinely don't know anyone if they're being completely honest. I mean, unless maybe you're like a Kardashian that isn't, isn't insecure or feels some sort of shame and, and an aspect of your mm -hmm. physical appearance, you know? So it, it is interesting. Like at what, at what point does that become problematic where, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And how much of it is just, Oh, just natural being human and, Living yeah. in a world where you can get on Instagram and see Ugh. the most beautiful people in the world. Well, and how yeah. much of that is even real? You know, right. with Facetune and AI and this, that, and the other. And I mean, I, listen, everybody has bodily autonomy. Like, but mm -hmm. plastic surgery is getting like more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. Do what you want, but yeah. like, I think that also we all we all have to realize that like, if that's not for you, that's not for you. Like, yeah. that's fine. And then don't. But but also, if you're choosing it's not for you, don't allow yourself to compare how you look to someone who is doing that, who's like modified themselves in a way that like you have chosen not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, like that's yeah, that's basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, last night, uh, kind of on this topic, I was like laying in bed doing the like the mind spiral that mm -hmm. keeps one up at night kind of on this topic. And I don't know how like eloquent or nuanced this is going to be, but you know, it's something that a therapist would probably say that like, are you sure that it's not that like you, like, is it more about you thinking you don't deserve whatever is like, like, mm. is that where the, you know what I mean? Like if you're just looking for a reason to say that, like, I don't deserve this thing that's in front of me. Yeah. I know where that, like, that's where mine comes in. I'll be like talking to you, a cute guy and like, maybe it seems like it's going to like progress to, I don't know, first base even. Mm -hmm. And then immediately like that voice in my head is like, <laughs> yeah. <"Girl." laughs> yeah. He's cute. What are you doing? Like, and you're going to, you know, you're going to get hurt or whatever. Right. Like, um, I don't know. Like, that's, that's interesting. And, and I mean, I don't even know if this ties in, but you mentioned how after your performance, that sounded like it was like a pinnacle performance for you. Mm -hmm. You You went backstage and, you know, had like a really emotional moment. Do you mm -hmm. think that tied into that at all? Like, was it, did you have that emotional mo moment because you were moved creatively by what you accomplished or was the emotional moment of like, I didn't know I was that good and I don't maybe feel like I deserve to be that good. Oh, I think it's probably a lot more that second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. Like I, I think I've always like kind of struggled with like, how do you strike the balance of like being humble and like, and having humility while also being like, bitch, I'm sickening mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and I think that's probably got some tie back to like religious trauma in some way that like, yeah, you know, like why, why would you seek pleasure? Why would you seek happiness? You know, like that we're all like, it's, I guess it's the, the, the first lesson that like, we're all eternal. Like we're flawed. Like right. that, that we are, we are sinful from the start that mm-hmm. we're wrong from, from the jump. And like, we and that just, you can do nothing. Yeah. You can do nothing to ever not be wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, and that like, you can do, like just do the best work that you can, which like, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, like there's like some work ethic, which like, <laughs> that's a loaded phrase, mm-hmm. but like there's some of what I like, you know, what people would refer to as my work ethic. That's probably, established in that context of that sort of like you don't deserve anything but you can work hard to to try to like Mm -hmm. get there kind of thing um but yeah then that also kind of like blocks you to like experiencing things in life yeah it does and and i mean i i'm probably projecting here but it's something that i certainly feel but it's almost like for me when i've used like hard work and creativity as a way to sort of mask the shame you know what I mean like I'm instead of facing the fact that like I feel extreme shame on a regular basis I'm just gonna write another book or I'm gonna uh throw myself into another creative project oh yeah and so in a weird way it's like the shame fuels the creativity and then the creativity sort of makes the pain subside for a bit but it just perpetuates the problem yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, have you ever, as as a creative, had the like, if I go to therapy and they fix me, will oh. I still be creative? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is like, is that safe there? <laughs> I I feel that way a lot. I feel that way a lot, and it's. I mean, medication specifically can be that way for me yeah. a little bit. Where if someone came to me and says, when people maybe open up and share, like, yeah, well, I'm really struggling with depression or anxiety mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, my 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 reaction to that is like, well, if you need to, you know, like get on medication, like I'm I'm a proponent of that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if I go to my therapist and they're like, hey, like you've been kind of in a pretty depressive state for a while, you should explore medication. Uh, that's really a hard pill for me to swallow, no pun intended, because I'm like, what? I'm going to lose my edge. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to lose that thing that like fuels my art. Yeah. It's fucked up. I mean, I think even with just like my recent diagnosis of ADHD and medication with that, I feel like I am a better executor of a concept when medicated, but like the like the fountain of like new and like concepts like is kind of like completely off if I'm like regular like I have to like take a day and like not take my meds and like Wow. Yeah. Or, like, be really, like, I'm going to, like, hyper-focus my time today on, like, let's, like, come up with at least some prompts and kind of go from uh-huh. there kind of uh-huh. thing. Whereas I feel like, yeah, I was like, ooh, like, did I lose my crazy a little bit? Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Does it tempt you to get off of it? Or do you just feel so good on it that you aren't tempted to get off of it? I think I'm just, like, so much better mm-hmm. on it. Like, because I'm still, like, a hot damn mess. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, who knows what bills wouldn't be paid (laughs) you know what I mean like just like stuff like like the just the like regular like adult life like kind of stuff like 
I just, I feel like I would just fall apart and not even have like the structure to even kind of like set creative projects on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so maybe it came at a good time though. Cause I think also when I was younger, like my safety net was stronger, you know, mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. at like 36, if my, my parents would be like, girl, like pay your damn bills. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sick of helping you, but like, yeah. you know, um, so, so maybe it was a little bit that, that I've had to like establish like some structure and discipline and, and being medicated has made that easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that like, it's good, but there was definitely when I started, like there was definitely that, that sort of fear of like, is that going to happen? And I think I can like kind of con- control it now. Like if I'm really like, I want to see what kind of crazy shit my head comes up with. Like, I'll just be like, I'm going to eat Mexican food and, and smoke weed and not take my meds today. You know, <laughs> like, like, like see what happens, Yeah, you know? Um, I don't know. And then sometimes I feel like I just need that anyway. It's just kind of as like a break. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the dishes can sit there today. Like yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, we should take a cereal break. Oh yeah. Cereal. Yeah. Are you cereal about it? I'm yeah, very cereal about it. <laughs> and we got you. Uh, oh, um, oat please. Got it. Thank you so much. We're having fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles. Yeah. What a what that was an interest or I shouldn't say it's an interesting pick. I feel like it's popular, but why Fruity Pebbles? Uh, well, okay, so I, or I did you just panic and you're like, I'm gonna just throw one out? Kind of. Okay. So, which was me trying a, a thing. Yeah. So, like, normally when people are like, "What's your favorite?" I'm like, I have to go to the woods and work that out. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in a week because um, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. what's the mood? Like, yeah. on what day of the week? Mm-hmm. What position is the moon in? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think it was a little bit influenced by the fact that it was like, there's just going to be a bowl. Yeah. And so, like, there's, like, some nostalgia, and I'm not really going to, like, allow myself to feel all the, like, the sugar guilt. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just going to eat the bowl and, yeah. like, enjoy it. Um, the sugar guilt's real. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen – I haven't tried it, but I have had, like, the algorithm push a brand to me that um, does, like, the sugary, like, nostalgic cereals, but, like, grown up mm-hmm. like, so they're, like, healthier. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling they'll probably taste like stevia, which is just – Stevia sucks. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> um, is it Magic Spoon? Magic Spoon, is it that? Mm-hmm. I think it is Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon, there's a few cereals that are really good. I mean, they have like a Fruity Pebbles, or no, like a Fruit Loops version. And you, like, it's good as long as you don't remember what Fruit Loops taste like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, fruit, the loop, the various loops of that, of that cereal era, Apple Jacks. We're always lovely. What were the ones with like the frog character that was like corn corn smacks? Corn sugar smacks? Corn pops? Honey smacks. Honey smacks. We got some here. Yeah, those. Um, I should have offered you more than just the one in pigs. We got corn pops. Corn pops is the one I was originally thinking of, but yeah. I also remember honey smacks. Yeah. One of our guests picked both of these and mixed them. Oh, that's not so fun. I'm not a huge Honey Smacks person, to be honest. I've had them like, I had them recently, and they're actually kind of good mixed with corn pops, but just alone, I feel like it's a lot to take in. Mm hmm. Yeah. These are weird tasting now. Yeah. I feel like flavor wise, like a Crunch Berries moment may be like my favorite, but Mm -hmm. like, 
I don't know. I need the roof of my mouth today. <laughs> yeah, feel free to eat as little. Or yeah, you don't have to like finish the bowl if you don't. Well, want. fruity pebbles like they soften up so fast. I know so. you. You really only get like three bites. Okay, so um, <laughs> you can edit this part out if it's too crude. But the highly colored cereals, everybody's everybody's seen the fun colors the next day, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like, That's not too crude. You're like, why? Why is it blue? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what's what's going on here? That happens. That has happened to me before. With like, uh, if you eat like beets or drink beet juice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're like, ah, am I bleeding? I literally was like freaking out, and then I did some research, and I was like, oh, it's kind of normal. Um, have you been to Lyra just down the street? I love Lyra. I worked there for like um, I don't know, a year and a half. Like, right, mm-hmm. it was my post-pandemic job. Um, Favorite waiting job I ever had. Um, like, just, I don't know, like, cool place, cool people, good food, like, mm-hmm. great job, very affirming. Mm-hmm. Like, very, like the whole staff was, you know, very queer, which, just like, great, all yeah. of the restaurant staff in East Nashville was yeah. very queer. Um, but they have, you know, regularly some sort of beet dish on the menu, and I love a roasted beet, so, like, yeah. that would be my, like, shift meal all the time. But the first time it would, like, come on the menu and I'd have it, I'd, like, use the bathroom the next day and be like, oh, my God! Like, I had beets. Well, I had yeah. beets. Yeah, you start, you go in, go in that spiral and you try to think about all you ate in the last 48 hours. Yeah, like that, you know, like, then, you know, like, <laughs> as a bottom, you know, sometimes, yeah. like, there's, like, more reasons that internal bleeding might happen. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an American. My insurance isn't good enough for this. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> funny. Um. All right. Yeah. Let's get back into it. Um. You're doing great, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You're fucking so well spoken. Oh, thanks. It's insane. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. I think that's from like my parents a little bit. Um. My dad's an English teacher, but mm-hmm. like career educator, almost always English. Taught history a little bit. And then, uh, I mean, my parents are both very well read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like, even as, like, a wee, like, middle schooler, like, I saw something going around on the internet recently. People were talking about how they would count how many paragraphs it would be their turn so they could practice it. Mm-hmm. And, like, no judgment there. But I was probably the kid that I was like, I'll read the whole thing right now. Don't care. Like, let's do it. This is my moment. Like, you didn't, you, you had no fear. Yeah. Not I'm, in that way, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, like, just the stage in general, I, like, sure, like, I've been, like, nervous, mm-hmm. but, like, what people, like, seem to describe as stage fright, I'm like, nah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, like, Yeah, you all. never, you never have stage fright, really? No. Like, there's, like, a little bit of, sometimes, like, if I'm, like, I, like, a song that, like, I maybe, like, don't feel really confident, I might have, like, a little anxiety before, or even if it's something I feel like I've done the work to, like, prepare the lip sync, but I haven't performed it yet. Just kind of that, like, how is it going to go? Like, there's, like, a little anxiety there. But there's never anything that's, like, I can't step on the stage. Like, yeah. that energy, I've, I don't recall ever feeling that. I mean, my mom talks about when I started grade school. I, maybe it was when my brother started. He would been two years behind me. Um, but somehow the difference between us was, like, Seth had to, like, be taken in, kicking and screaming. And I was, like, five years old and just shut the door, like, see ya! Like, yeah, you are ready to go. Like, ready to see what adventure is in here. Um, I don't know, like, I, I mean, I guess I, like, as you age, I feel like people learn about the world and maybe are a little more cautious in certain situations and not as ready to jump into things, and I feel like that applies to me. But I still feel like, more so than a lot of people, I'm just, like, 
what are we like? Let's just what are we waiting for? Like, come on, <laughs> yeah, get out there. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, in in when we were talking, you mentioned that you were you're like full time drag now, mm-hmm. right? Is there a in, in previously to that was it part time more of a hobby? How I, I guess it started just as kind of a hobby. Yeah. Um, I, how many years ago? So it'll be nine years in December. So you've been okay. And then what what uh, made you get into it? Um, I so I moved back to town. It was 2014. From I've been where? Back since April. So Dallas area was okay. the last place I was. Um, Louisville, mm-hmm. Texas, I think is like the specific address I was in, like mid cities, kind of near the DFW airport. Um, but I like every year I was there, I yeah. moved. Um, so had been back for I don't know six months. Um, the like first three months I was back, I was in like the first like thing I would even consider a relationship ever in my life at like 27, mm-hmm. um, which was like a lot of fun, um, like a lot of sex, a lot of good meals. But like <laughs> in retrospect, like that was m- most of what it was. Right. Um, and, you know, then like that kind of like fell apart. But like there was a guy who did drag that I n- kind of met through the guy that I dated for a couple months. Um that then I kind of developed a little crush on and started going to all of his shows um, and kind of just, like, fell into, like, the drag scene a little bit by being at, like, the same show regularly. I kind of, like, met other drag queens. And then kind of in this same era, I mean, I just, you know, I would have a couple drinks and, like, I'm lip-syncing along, having, having the time of my life. I mean, kind of, like, within, like, a week or two, like, a short period of time unprompted like three friends and three strangers were like have you ever thought about doing drag and so I'm kind of like well I guess I'm thinking about it now Mm -hmm. um and then the play like started doing um an open stage night like that just you know was announced one night when I was there maybe a night that somebody had been like have you ever thought about doing drag and then they announced that open stage was happening I was like I guess it's fucking now or never um and I had done, like, I had been in drag two, maybe three other times before that. Um, But other people had, like, put me in drag in Mm -hmm. some way. Um, One was, like, I was heckling an MC. She pulled me out of the audience and, like, quickly put me in drag. And I can tell you I performed Christina Aguilera's Ain't No Other Man. Um, (laughs) That I remember. Um, And then for Halloween one year, I had, like, my drag queen friend Christina Ray do my makeup. And she, um, yeah, she painted me and... (laughs) The look I was going for was supposed to be this, like, lady gangster that I was trying to tell this story that, like, I was Sally Mae, like, uh-huh. the loan collector. So she's like, anyways, it, <laughs> it was a lot of up here and nobody really got it, but I was in drag. Yeah. Um, and then there was, like, a, an orientation thing for, like, freshmen. My second year at Eastman that it was, like, a bra and a tank top and, like, whatever large heel we found. It was tragic. Um, so up to that point, it was just almost... Dabbling, dabbling. Cross, uh, yeah, just yeah. like little character moments, not yeah. like creating like this drag queen. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I did that open stage night. It started, uh, I think it was like December 27th. It was the day after my 10-year high school reunion. Um, and did that and like loved it, Yeah, you know, like the stage. Um, and then just kind of like, I don't know, just kind of clocked into like what the the system, at least as I saw it before me, was, like, open stage was once a month. That's where I'm at is open stage night. So, like, I'm going to be here every month. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, 
extremely consistent on that. And then they like ended up adding like a second night a month with open stage. And then I was doing like both of those. And then kind of last minute got thrown into this, um, this pageant. Uh, it was the prelim, the Tennessee prelim for, um, Miss Gay US of A, uh, the 2017 year. Um, and Aurora Sexton was current reigning for the, the national title. And she was here at the time and was like, do this pageant. And I was like, I don't know, girl. It's like a month away. Like, kind of broke right now. It's a lot of prep. And then, like, didn't really hear anything. And then, like, two days before, she's like, do this pageant. And I'm like, Aurora, <laughs> like, what? And she's like, you have nice clothes. Nobody's doing it. And so it was like me and, like, my sister Venus competed. So, like, just because it was the two of us, we were both, like, going to go to nationals. But I won, like, I swept every category. Um, I played viola for my talent. So, like, oh, hell yeah. Ha- like, having that, like, in my pocket. Like, talent mm-hmm. is always, like, the biggest section of, um, like, score-wise mm-hmm. of pageants. So having that in my pocket, like, definitely helped. And I had, like, a nice gown that I had competed with before. But then I went to nationals. But just, like, winning that title, like, kind of, like, put a stamp on me that, like, then, like, the bars were like, oh, okay, like, she's now bookable. Um, and so then I got um, the Tuesday night trivia gig um and it was just trivia at first um and i was there from like eight to ten and there was karaoke afterwards but um cj was hosting it yeah this guy chris james um but then like i would stick around and sing because i love karaoke Mm -hmm. um and then like they were gonna add like a wednesday night and they originally offered me the wednesday night and i was like listen I don't want to get in drag twice. Like, like if CJ is open to it, like I will happily stay on Tuesdays and he can have the new night on Wednesdays. And I guess he was amenable to it. So we did that. Um, and then I did that for two years. And then like the second year I was on the Monday night cast there. And then I don't remember what year it was, I guess like four and a half years ago. Um, I left. Um, I just kind of like decided I wanted to go see what other opportunities were out there. Um, and Glitz is this party that I throw every month at Old Glory that we've been doing for four years now. And that's kind of like the doorway that opened that I was like, let me explore this. It was a New Year's Eve. They offered me a gig. It paid well. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, they were like, we want to make this a regular thing. And like, it was just like the way that pay was going to line up, like even though I would be working less, like I would be missing fewer shifts at the restaurant that I was working at at the time. It just... Just made sense. It just made sense to like kind of take that leap and like drag was not paying my bills. It was a hobby at that time. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like, you know, the stakes weren't incredibly high right. in that sense. Um, and so like I took that leap and then, you know, production kind of like came as a means to an end. But I am decent at like project management mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like being in a leadership role. Like I've generally mm-hmm. kind of felt comfortable there. So it just kind of, like, happened. Like, it wasn't like I set up to be, like, a promoter producer. Like, it was more of a means to an end. But because of that and because I've kind of, like, put myself in this space where I need to create a lot of, like, my own spaces for myself and, Mm -hmm. like, go find the money and, like, be a freelancer, like, I've ended up... You're almost, like, as much an entrepreneur as you... Yeah. 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 Yeah, There's, like, there's so many facets to it. Yeah. I mean, now we have, like, that that's been going for four years. Um, I do the production for the drag brunch every month at Virgin, mm-hmm. um, which we've been doing for two, two and a half years, um, maybe longer. I'd lose track of time like crazy. Um, so those are like recurring. Um, Sissy is um, the competition that I put on. Um, so we do it in three rounds and it's like an elimination style audience vote, kind of like a live drag racy sort of vibe, but with the audience vote. 
a lot of buffoonery. Um, mm-hmm. We've done uh, five cycles of that now. We're doing a showcase for that at Eastside Bowl um, coming up October 1st. So, like, there's just, like, a lot that's kind of, like, happened in the portfolio now. And I guess just by just, like, stepping outside of the gay bars, because I was just kind of, like, one of the first, like, there was a lot of network that was just, like, open Mm -hmm. to me. And, I mean, I, I hate taking, like, a hefty amount of credit for this because it was, like, very much a community effort. Although there were people who were like, girl, like, you deserve a bunch of credit for this. Like, thank you if you're listening, but, like, it was also a community effort. Um, The drag scene here was kind of small and kind of, like, restricted within within the gay bars. Um, And then, like, kind of, like, right at the same time, a month before I started that glitz party, Jane Dior Fierce and Venus and Serena and Sapphire Milan... Um, who branded themselves as the Misfits, um, started Drag Brunch at Disc Insider, which has also been going on since then. And, like, that same year in June, Vivica Steele started um, Tin Roof Broadway Drag Brunch. Um, And so, like, just right in this, like, four-month period, like... You started... Just... Oh, and I think City Winery's Drag Brunch started, like, right in in that same time. Um, And so then it was just kind of, like... Everybody was like, wait, drag queens can perform outside of gay bars in Nashville? And I was like, why not? Every single bar in this city has a stage. Right. And, like, <laughs> they need to put something on it, yeah. you know? Like, why not? Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of, like, just were doing our thing. But then, like, sort of intentionally, um, you know, like, the the message kind of got out there that, like, there was space to do drag here. And so, like in a way that I had not seen for the first five years of my drag career, all of a sudden we're starting to see people who are like drag entertainers who are like established and who are like maybe not moving here to do drag full time, but like they like want to do drag in Nashville and they found a transfer with their job or like, so in some semblance they're like moving to Nashville to do drag or we're seeing new entertainers come up through the system and it's just like, it's expanding and diversifying and it's really cool to see. Um, And I think it's really also like, pushed established entertainers like and now you know including myself like people are coming up behind us so like we gotta hustle yeah. and so I think it's really kind of like kept me honest as far as far as like how much work I'm doing as well um, does doing it full time take any of the joy out of it um I, I don't know um I guess like that like having it be like a creative outlet yeah. is maybe not there as much because it's now a vocation. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think when I need that, like, specific, like, outlet part of it, like, I just need to go, like, kind of close myself off the world and, like, use it as a moment of meditation. Like, I'll just, like, go sit at the piano and just, I don't know, read Mozart for a little bit. Or, sure. like, you know, so I can do that pretty casually. Um, and then there are the gigs where I, I will say, like, I love a gig that I didn't produce. Like, if I just have to show up, perform, great like that's that's like that's that's those are my like fun gigs now like it's somebody else's problem because when you're producing it it's like you said you're the project manager you're not just the talent yeah project manager i mean like like i hate my name by the end of some gigs like what 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 do you want what (laughs) is that um you know because in other creative circles i mean they can get pretty competitive in some ways even if they don't want to want to admit it i mean i think like songwriters in Nashville can say they're not competitive, but to a degree, like there's like, is drag competitive at all? Um, or is it more? I I would say, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say because the scene is expanding and Mm -hmm. there, I mean, you know, we're seeing kind of like, there were spaces 
created. So there was kind of a vacuum, but now as that vacuum is being filled and like maybe overfilled, like now people are having to get a little more competitive. And as people are, you know, getting more experience under their belt and developing their brands, like there are now more people all at like a bookable level as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that makes things competitive. I, I will say that like I try to, when I have sort of like a platform to, to like kind of get this message out there, what I, what I like to try to like permeate through the scene is like, let's just do our best to not block any of each other's bags. Like, yeah. you know, like work your best on you, but I feel like more is better because Nashville is a tourism industry. And mm -hmm. so if like we have this massive, diverse, vibrant drag scene, then that brand, that narrative is what goes out into the world where our tourists are generated from. And so then when people come here, they seek out drag. They yes. expect drag to be part of their tour stop here in Nashville. And I think that just would lead to more money for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's why I just kind of be like, Hey, like as a community effort, like we can do more, like we can support each other. Like it's okay. Yeah. All ships rise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know that like, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in, in scarcity mindset. Like it's so easy because like a lot of us experience scarcity sometimes, yeah. you know, it's a, yeah, it's real. It's a trauma response. I would, I would say, but, um, I just like, that's kind of like a mantra for me that like, it's, it's about the scene as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, with myself, I'm just doing the work on my craft, you know, like I'm always watching makeup tutorials, seeing what the trends are, like what people are trying differently, learning new techniques, like kind of like sitting around and like dreaming up new costumes. And then like on the project management note, like putting together a look like, you know, if you're working with a designer and a hairstylist and you've got to get like shoes in in time and you got to make sure that like your undergarments are correct and you have jewelry that matches, like if it's a new look, like that's, that's a project you're managing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there. A lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, like creatives, like we're, we're wacko and hard to manage a lot of times. Like, Very, so, you know, yeah. like hairstylists and, and, and clothing designers like fall under that same umbrella. Like mm -hmm. it's a lot of like crazy folks trying to, trying to meet a deadline. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, it's it also, I think the higher you get in your industry, the more you're, it really has less to do with the creative and more dealing with like people's personalities, uh, which can be even more difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine that can be a pain in the ass. Well, I feel like even with, like, viola, I was realizing, but with drag, with any craft, I feel like there's there's a, a level of, like, technical proficiency you have to hit for, like, the audience to be, like, acceptable. Yeah. And then, like, the stuff above that is for you and your peers. Okay. Um, but where, I, where, where someone, someone can, uh, another drag queen can be, like, like, I guess in, 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 in like writing books, they call it a writer's writer. So like there's a certain level, but then there's some writers who are so good that other writers are like, I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're fucking killing it. Yeah. Like, is that the same thing? I, I would think, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've heard people say like a drag queen is drag queen. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, I like that. Sasha Colby, who won the most recent season, um, is this iconic, like former Miss Continental, yeah. like kind of like walked into drag race being a legend. Yeah. Um, and I think her entrance line was, I'm your favorite drag queen's favorite drag queen. Like that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would be your What would be your line? Oh God, it depends on the day. Um, like I like if I'm gonna like overthink it and make it something like branded, um, like something about like layers or like if you cut me, I'll make you cry, like onion okay. jokes. <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, some, somewhere along there. Um, I don't know. It just depends. Oh, wow. Like some some days I'm feeling more like da-da and ridiculous about it. And yeah. I would just, I don't know, walk in and quack. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like I, who, know, you know, who knows? Like, yeah. um, I should probably like just write them down. Write like, them all down. Yeah. Keep a, keep a note section in your phone for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, my note section. Like I'm scared to go back in there because yeah, I start notes. All the time, and then don't finish them. <laughs> don't finish them, or yeah. like just forget like whatever <laughs> thing I was starting in there. Um, what were we? I cut you off. No, uh, you're good. What did I? You're I, talking about entrance lines. Oh, drag queen, drag queen, writer's writer. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, the like technical proficiency. Well, like with music, I felt like it's kind of the same. It's like, yeah, like there's a, there's a level of intonation you have to be able to like uphold, like mm-hmm. and rhythmic accuracy and like tone production, and like. I mean, beyond that, like, those are kind of, like, the, and then, like, you know, at what level is the audience even, like, listening to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so, beyond that, it's, like, what are you doing, like, creatively? How are you promoting yourself? How are you bringing a fresh take? Like, like, how are you, you know, those are things that, like, once you reach that level that, like, the audience is, like, yes, I will buy a ticket, then, like, beyond that, it's, like, all this other kinds of work that, like, I feel like in a lot of ways, I was like, that's not what I got into this for. Right. But, you know, right. now you have to do it. And eventually you can cross the threshold where you're like, I'm going to pay somebody else to do it. To do all that. Yeah. Um, with some And some things I've like kind of crossed into, that, crossed into that threshold. So. Right. That's nice. But then also, you know, you're then you're managing your money in a way that it's like, oh, okay, like, do I have the 10% set aside this month or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, I don't know. Like, it's. I feel like there's a lot of similarities, like, across the board with performance art, with yes. drag. Like, that's that's very, like, analogous with performance artists. And then, like, the creative aspect, I feel like it's just pretty analogous as well. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, so I have this game I play, but you take those matches. They're right there, as long as you're not scared of fire or anything. Uh, and, I also have to keep uh, it away from my hair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, From the Smokers Abbey. Yeah, yeah. So I'm basically going to ask you three questions. You strike a match. I ask a question. You have until the flame hits the end of your fingers to answer the question. Are you ready? I think. Although I can be long-winded. So. I know. That's, that's the point. It's like to add like a, some sense of urgency a uh-huh, little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, hold on, let me let me make sure I got my question. So you ask, I strike, and then this is the time. No, you strike, and then I ask. Okay, and then is there like a rule about how I hold it? Um, you can hold it that way, like to the side, uh-huh. or at a slight angle. Okay, but not this way. Yeah, not that way. Heard. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no cheating. All right, go ahead. Do I know how to strike a match? Yes, I do. There you go. All right, what is one law? that you would overturn if you could? Uh, can we bring Roe v. Wade back? Can we have abortion access again? <laughs> that one. Okay, that was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a big one. All right. Next one. <laughs> um, oh, hold on. Don't let me cheat. I won't. I might let this one burn for a bit. Okay, okay. All right. I'll think about it a little harder, too. All right. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received about your art? Ooh. Um, that is a hard one. Yeah, it kind of puts you on the spot. Yeah. Um, okay, so there are like two entities. It's three people, but two entities that I like 
feel like I've always like kind of struggled to impress. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are my first viola teacher, Dee Dee. And okay. one time Dee Dee came to um, my Glitz event and like kind of was like very affirming, very like you've got it basically mm-hmm. was like the phrase that was yeah. used. And like from somebody who I know to be like so particular about what they enjoy in entertainment, especially live entertainment, to give that compliment, like that meant a lot. Very affirming. Yeah. All right. Um, what is your creative Everest? Um, an EGOT. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I just like, like entertainment, like being on stage and like getting, like live entertainment is my thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, like sure, like would I love to like do some recording and like have my own music? Yes. But as a means to an end of performing it live. Yeah. Like that's, that's the point for me. Um, and just like that's, I think for somebody who's like, I want to be like a fully like well-rounded like entertainer mm-hmm. before like musician, before drag queen, before whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of like the pinnacle of that regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and there could be like, you know, I could get into life and maybe like after this strike, maybe all of those organizations will fall apart anyways. Like who knows? Yeah. Um, but that's sort of kind of the peak of my vision board for my career. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, Ooh, it's almost to the fingies. And, um, you know, I've already been in Rolling Stone, but maybe the cover next time. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, we have a little gift for you, but before, before we give that to you, is there anything you want to shout anything you're working on that you're excited about? Yeah. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but, um, October 1st, we have a a big showcase at, um, Eastside Bowl. Um, it's the Sissy Showcase. It's going to showcase all of our former winners. We're going to play some silly games, get into some just entertainment buffoonery. Mm -hmm. Um, that's coming up. Um, I mean, stay tuned for more with that. That's kind of like my big like project every year. Like cool. it's, it's such an undertaking. So the actual like cycle six, we're looking at January. So stay tuned okay. for that. You can follow at Sissy Nashville. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Vag for short. That's Vag like vagina for like the number and short like not tall. <laughs> um, we didn't really talk a ton about political stuff, but I am very politically active. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had, you know, like great results in our local election. Mm-hmm. Freddie O'Connell is our mayor-elect. We have an all-female at-large council, including our first uh, our first ever elected transgender council member. Um, our council as a whole, for the first time ever, is majority women. Um, it's a very diverse, like, ethnic council, like, ethnically diverse council. Um, so, like, I'm very excited for that. But on that note, um, make sure you're registered to vote. Um, if you are living in Tennessee and you have a valid Tennessee driver's license, you can do it online at ovr.govote.com. .tn.gov. That's ovr.govote.tn.gov. Takes like five minutes, if that. Um, Otherwise, just go to vote.gov for more information on how to register. Um, And also on that sort of political note, um, I'm very excited about Gloria Johnson um, running for Marsha Blackburn's seat in the Senate next year because that would change things drastically for Tennesseans. So stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Love it. Um, This was a blast. Here you go. These are for you. What did we get? <sighs> Couple of vinyls. Oh my god! Yes! Uh, oh my god! Two faves. Perfect. Yeah, that These was that was Jeremy's research right there. I can't take credit for Y'all those. Y'all did so good on the research. Okay, so like, where did you go? Like, how deep? <laughs> we went deep. I knew you danced to want to dance with somebody. Oh, okay, okay. So we're looking for good Whitney, and that one has "How Will I Know" on uh-huh. it, which I feel like. It doesn't have I want to dance with somebody, but oh, here it is. 
like how I know is sort of like saving all my love is a good one. I would love to see you perform that one at some time. And then Dolly, of course. Oh, just, all at once and greatest love of all around this one too. Yeah, and then and that's like a UK press something. Yeah, that's Dolly, beautiful. The Dolly one, just her, you know, rolling in. Nashville, Tennessee's history. And yeah. Heard you shout her out through some. So. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love uh, this dolly. We tried to find, like, a viola, like, vine uh-huh. concerto, but struggled to find that in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one that, like, made sense. Maybe if, like, Tower was still around, they might yeah. have, like, a classical section or something. But, exactly. yeah. Yeah, I feel like you've got to go to, like, the library archives. To yeah, literally. I have some stuff that was, like, handed down from my grandma. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but, no, we, we did some other research, but Cole mentioned a lot of the things that we found. Uh, well, one question that I have, Eric, I don't know if you truly stand Taco Bell, um, <laughs> and if so, because I also stand Taco Bell, I'm curious what your uh, order is. Um, I am like a Mexican pizza, Doritos Loco, Taco Supreme, Love that with combo. a Baja Blast kind of moment. Baja For- Blast is... Which, like, that's also kind of, like, my favorite color. Yeah. And so I did this, like, look at one point that, like, my mom bought me these boots that were kind of, like, that aqua teal color mm-hmm. and, like, kind of just did, like, a monochromatic look in that. And for, like, six months, peddled this pun about, like, having a Baja Blast. Like, yeah. oh, God, it was so bad. And I just said it to everybody until they were like, yeah, we get it. Like, you like Baja Blast. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of, like, a brand point for a yeah. moment. And yeah. then they did this drag brunch at the Cantina, like, last year, the year before, and, like, didn't book me. And I was, like, like slightly upset, but also, yeah. like, being dramatic. Like, uh, we're not calling it Baja Blast anymore. This color is just redacted. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we did that for a while, but... No, I'll go to Taco Bell now. <laughs> I'm a Baja Blast Freeze. Yeah. Oh, icy. yeah. Those are so good. So I good. Well, folks, that wraps up another thrilling edition of Dreamland. Cole Schaefer and his team of creative misfits work their darn tails off each week to make this show possible. How do you compare your group with the Beatles? I don't know. How do you compare with the Beatles? I, I don't compare at all. You know, there's no point. Well, let's get right down to brass tacks. Do you think you're better than they are? Oh, oh what? You know, it's, it's, it's not the same group, so we just do what we want and they do what they want. And there's no point in going on comparing us. You can prefer us to them or them to us. Mm. It's just diplomatic, you see. Very diplomatic. And I-